the title of this sermon is Signs of the Time, even though that says I know best. I don't know why. <laughs> Typos, they abound. <laughs> that, was, that was title one of two. But on my notes, I have signs of the time. So... <laughs> Uh, uh, but the signs of the time thing will make sense in a minute. We'll be in Romans chapter 12, and we'll actually be all, we'll be reading all of chapter 12 of Romans um, and kind of walking through it, uh, which was not the plan. Initially, there's 21 verses. Initially, the plan was just to kind of read through the first five and then skip over to John. But as I was in the middle of planning, um, I kind of accidentally continued to read Romans uh, accidentally. I normally will read before and then what's after, but I actually kept reading because I got interested in what was going, and it became abundantly clear that we need to actually just read all of this chapter. Um, so uh, we'll kind of talk through it as we go, but Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and the first 12 chapters he has really, it's been all theological. It's all about who God is, who they are in relationship to God, who they are. It's identity forming. It's culture forming. It's all about the foundations of who they are. And now he's about to start talking about what that means. And so that's why the first two words, and so, of verse 1, that means that there was something before it. And that was in light of who you are in Christ, right? That's basically what that and so it means. In light of what we now know of who you are in Christ, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We normally stop there, right? Like many, if you've been walking around, walking with Jesus for any amount of time and you've been in church, we normally stop there. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, right? And then like, and we stop. And it's good, right? It's okay. Like it's not to say that there's something wrong with stopping there, but we miss all of the good stuff that's actually after that allows us to do those two first verses, Right? That which follows allows us to actually live out what Paul is beseeching us to do. But I want you to see this picture first because it talks, it's going to expose our current idol. Our current idol is ideology, ideological idolatry, which we talked about last week because our faith is an abstract faith that means for the most part, our idols also are abstract. We're not bowing down to statues, but we do oftentimes bow down spiritually to signs. It's just the truth. 
It's okay. I know some of y'all, your blood pressure just went up already because you see Black Lives Matter up there and you're like, what is he trying to say? He black. What are you trying to say? No. <laughs> What's going on? Some of you, my body, my choice. What? What's, don't take that away. Listen. Listen. I want to point to not the ideology. I don't want to point to the idea and say the idea is a problem because that's not it. I want to point to our allegiance to it. I want to point to our allegiance to it. So let's make it super clear right now, regardless of what you feel about either side. And I, I intentionally put those on, on different sides like that because I know some of y'all already like love is love and black lives matter don't belong on the same side. In our culture, they do oftentimes end up on the same side. And that's just to disrupt any sediment that's in our souls that won't let us see what the Holy Spirit wants to point to us. <laughs> right? That's all that is. It's not about the idea itself. It's about our allegiance to the idea and to what extent we've allowed it to become potentially an idol in our lives. And that's okay. If you're uncomfortable, good. I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I am. I, I sent a text message to the, to, the tech, uh, to the teaching team just last night. Like, yo, I'm feeling the weight of this sermon more than I did even last week. We are a cerebral culture at our foundations. We value ideas and knowledge and thoughts, thinking, being able to say whatever you want to say, think whatever you want to think. And so it's easy for us to miss when a line gets crossed with ideas. So that's what we're talking about. We'll keep on reading in Psalm, uh, excuse me, in um, Romans chapter 12. This is what Paul says after telling them to to know the pleasing and perfect will of God. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. <laughs> That's what I mean when I say like we miss that good stuff that actually allows us to do the, the other things. Be honest in your evaluations of yourself. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. That is an interesting, like just, just for a second, right? Because a part of how we could switch over into having this ideology be some idol in our life is the idea that honestly, I know what's right. <laughs> That's why the first title was I Know Best. It's because I can see all the details. And that's why I can say something like God Planned Parenthood. Because I got all the details. I know all the things about what's happening now and in the future, and that's why I can say my body, my choice. I know I just stepped on some people's toes, but I'm just saying that that's a part of this idea of thinking too highly of myself. And it's not about the idea. It's about where it crosses a line. 
measure myself not by how much I know or how far I can see into the future, but measure myself based upon the faith God has given me. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. This may feel like it's not, uh, it's not applicable. Don't, don't push that to the side yet. Let that stay in here. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out, without as much, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift of showing kindness to others, do so gladly. I'm telling you, don't move that yet. Don't just pretend to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. I know that's not how that's written in all of the versions of Scripture, but this New Living Translation, those words really stepped on my toes this week as it relates to this. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. If I had a paper Bible, I would be highlighting that. It, in some ways, captures all of the tension that we as the church experience with these signs. We default to hating what is wrong and holding tightly to what is good and disregard loving each other genuinely and taking delight in honoring each other. Amen. We want to live half of nine and ten. Here's the interesting thing. It doesn't start off with one part in nine and then other ten. It's all mixed throughout. Don't pretend to love each other. Hate what's wrong. <laughs> well, I'm going to just do the hate what's wrong part. I, that part's easy. Let's be real. A part of why we're talking about it as an idol is not because we're on the wrong side of a conversation one way or the other. It's because it has caused us to potentially miss out on living 9 and 10 of Romans 12. Because I can trick myself into believing that hating evil, hating what is wrong, also means to disregard my sisters and brothers and this verse holds intention that you don't get to do that. You don't get to hate what is wrong and pretend to love your sister at the same time. You don't get to. You don't get to hate what is wrong and then tell everybody at an abortion clinic that they're going to hell. You don't get to do that. You don't. That's not the Bible. At least not the Bible that we read. 
Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. (laughs) When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. I'm just letting you know the convicting moments I was having this week. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always eager to practice hospitality. Blessed, excuse me, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. I need you to see this picture again. One of the things that we do is we hold real tight to the salt and light part that God has given us in the earth as it relates to judging the morality of our legal system and everybody else who's participating in it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I actually think that because we're a part of this system, our voices matter in it, so it should be, we should also raise them so that we can let people who make decisions know what we want. That's how this works. That's how it works here in the United States of America. If you have a concern, you scream it out in the street, and people take notice, and they do something about it. It's at least how it should work. In theory. But a line gets crossed. A line gets crossed when my understanding of how this system works and my allegiance to this ideology causes me to disregard and abandon or even hate my sisters and brothers in Christ who do not share the same ideology as I share. On either side of that line, it happens. I have literally heard people say, I don't understand how you can follow God and want to kill babies. And so I don't want to have anything to do with them. I have literally heard those words come out of people's mouths. Oh, I know. I'm wrestling some people's feathers. If you want to know how I feel about it, I'll tell you how I feel about it after. But the conversation that we're having right now is about why will you not want to have anything to do with someone who tells you that they love Jesus just because you disagree with them? I don't want to have anything to do with individuals who don't understand that love is love. God is love, so love is love. I don't want to have anything to do with them. They're not even understanding who God is. Oh, I know I'm, again, feathers, ruffled. That's just what this sermon series is. 
you want to know my feelings about it, I'll tell you after. But at the end of the day, the conversation is about why can't you, as a person who says that you are a follower of God, live within the mercy of God to say none of us completely agree with God and he still loves us. Oh, that's okay. Listen, if we completely agreed with God, you wouldn't have did what you did last week to your coworker. You wouldn't have sent that email. You wouldn't have responded that way in that conversation. You wouldn't have said that to your children. You wouldn't have been sarcastic with your mother. You wouldn't have dot, dot, dot. If you completely agreed with God, then you would have never done what you did last week to offend God and everybody else. But because we don't, it shows up in our actions and God loves us anyway. So why don't we do that? Why can't I love somebody who disagrees with me? Why? Why? Because it's an idol. If Jesus' commandment to us is to love one another, not his suggestion to us, not his advice to us about how this can work out great, if you love one another, that would be a good idea. No. Jesus' commandment to us in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, which we'll catch you in a second. Love one another. Talking about fellow disciples. Love one another as I love you. Which I'm going to put little brackets here and say, in the middle of your trash... I love you in spite of the fact that you don't see this the way I see it. I love you in spite of the way that you cannot fully understand all the things and all of the consequences that are connected to the decisions you make. I love you anyway. Love you, the, love them. Love your sisters and brothers the same way that I love you. And then the world will know you are my disciples. Our inability as a church to have any relevance in any of these conversations is not because of which side of the line we are on. It's because we refuse to love each other on the other side of the line. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's why Paul goes through this long list of all these differences that we have. That's why I said don't put that to the side. Because like, oh, he's talking about spiritual gifts. He just had a moment. No. He's talking about us not being, a, we're not the same. We're not the same. We don't see things the same way. The shoulder will not have the same perspective as the knee. But both are connected to the body. And it's your responsibility to come to the line and say, I don't see what you see, but I love you anyway. I disagree with you, but I love you anyway. I don't understand how you relate to God and to that, but I love you anyway. So help me not change my mind. Help me see what's on the other side of this line that as the knee I cannot see when you are the shoulder, 
Trust me. On either side of the line, there is something that's reflective of God's character. I'm not saying that all of it's good. Trust me, that's not what I'm saying. But there's something on the other side of that that we are completely disregarding because we don't like the ideology. We feel like that's infringing upon my idol that says that I'm good and I'm holy and I'm close to God. None of us are. None of us got it because we don't know. That's why Paul says, don't think too highly of yourself, Chase. You ain't got this. You don't know it all. You have convictions, yes, and they are important, absolutely. But the moment you believe that you know exactly what's right for all of humanity, you have crossed a line. You have crossed a line. And you may not let this ideology ever get above God, but you have let it get above your sister. You have let it get above your brother. And another famous saying of Jesus, how can you say you love God whom you can't see but refuse to love your sister and brother who you see? It's impossible for you to do so. He continues, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Listen, if we would just... Uh, like that's instructions for how we disagree with these signs with, with on the other side of this line. It's instruction. It ain't my job to figure out what you do and how, like, it's, my, it's not my job to correct or take revenge over any of this. Leave that to God. He sees it all. So I don't have to come in strong and defending the way I see this because God got that. He really does. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Some of us like that verse too. <laughs> it's like... I'm about to pass out water to all of y'all on the other side of this line. And every single one of you going to get burning coals of shame. Like you, like you praying over every bottle. Get them, Jesus. Get them. Like, <laughs> Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Uh, I'm a part of this um, thing we've talked about, pastors gathering, having conversations across lines of difference, really ultimately to develop a tool for the church to know how to do this well. And there was one thing that was said, it was um, the Colossian Forum. Uh, There's one thing that completely, it just wrecked me. It's like, we're a part of a nation that does voting, um, and we're a people that 
make, that's how we make decisions. And so one side of this room may have ideology A and the other side has ideology B and we all vote. And we're so used to celebrating as the one who wins. We throw parties. Ah, yes, our idea won. Roe versus Wade was overturned. Yes, 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 yes. We are the church and we have been able to take back ground from Satan and everybody who's not celebrating does not know Jesus. And they encouraged us. What would it look like if instead of celebrating the victory of your ideas winning, that you have a moment and you pause and grieve the fact that there is a loss on the other side with your sisters and brothers. And to ask, even though we've already made the decision, we've got to move forward with the decision that we've made because this is how we make decisions and loss is a part of that. But there's something that they saw that made them believe what they believed. And it would be easy for us to just say it's evil. We would, it would be easy for us to just say they were deceived by the serpent and that's why they, that's what they did what they did. And it would require maturity for us to say, even though we're moving forward in this direction, help me see what you saw that made you believe that, because that may help us live this decision out well. People are messy. We are messy. We are stained by sin. But not every decision that is not in alignment with what I feel is inherently evil. And it's okay for me to know that a part of what this is, is us seeing this from two different sides and it requires some maturity and humility for me to step over to the other side of that. Not change my mind. Listen, I'm not telling you change how you feel on either side. Trust me, I'm not telling you that. I believe that there's beauty in the differences in how we see the world in which God has charged all of us with caring for, right? That's our primary role on this earth, is human beings take care of it. And that means as many of us in this room, there's that many different ways to see how we take care of this world. What did you see, sister? I know that's not the decision that we made, and I know that that comes with some pain for you, but help us to see what you saw. Because as we move forward, we want to be able to do so in a way that is holistically good. Our nation is notoriously competitive. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. We do not have to be careless. We do not have to be cruel. We do not have to be neglectful of those who have lost a decision. We can actually say, 
Let's grieve together because I know that comes with some pain for you. I'd love to hear your story about why that's so painful. Don't pretend to love your sisters and brothers. Actually do it. So we're going to end with these words that Jesus, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I feel like we have a lot of good work to do as a church, and we do. And I believe that as a church, our, as, as the body of Christ, even though this is not our home, because this is where we have been planted in the earth, and this is the system in which we have been planted, we have a say in what that is. That's just how this government works. So that means we should say things. We absolutely should raise our voices. We absolutely should vote the way that we believe. We absolutely should be engaged with the ways in which this, this part of the world makes decisions. But that should never trump the word of God because that is our home. The kingdom of God is our home. The kingdom of God and the statutes of our king, that is what, that's primary. And I would rather us, I would rather us as a body of Christ sit silent than to dishonor our sisters and brothers. I don't want us to sit silent, but if we can't figure out how to do both, Honoring our sisters and brothers is always rule one. Then figure out how to disagree together in a way that honors that rule. I think a way in which in our lives to point to that elephant, call out that idol, is to intentionally intentionally engage, not in debate with a sibling in Christ that agrees differently, to intentionally pray. If I feel one thing about abortion and my sister or brother feels another thing about abortion, instead of sitting there spitting at each other as we debate before we even talk about details. Let's go to the one who actually sees all the details. Let's go to the one who actually does see everything, the history, the present, and the future. Let's go to the one who knows all the ins and outs and everybody's story. Let's go to the one who sees the unborn child and the rape victim and then Ask, Holy Spirit, what do you see? What do you want us to do? What do you, how should we steward this earth that you have told us to be stewards of? This is tough, and we don't see all the details. 
And I refuse to be prideful to believe that I see everything. Holy Spirit, give us guidance. (laughs) That's how we actually take that idol down. If you truly believe, listen, if you truly believe that you are on the side of God, it's not like God's going to say anything different to you. Right? Let's just be real. We don't have anything. We don't have, we don't have to be nervous about asking the Holy Spirit to show us if we truly believe that we're walking in righteousness. We don't have to be nervous. We can walk into that with the full confidence that God is going to show me what I need to see to influence and lead in the way and, and where I am. And if he does change my mind, glory to God. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But if I'm so staunchly allegiant to what I believe and what I think, my ideas about how we do this earth, that I cannot humble myself to submit to my sister and brother in fellowship and submit to the guidance of the Spirit within the context of that fellowship, it is an idol that needs to be torn down in my life. Are your feathers ruffled enough? (laughs) Like, like... Listen, it's called American Idol on purpose. Not every part of the world struggles with this the way we do. Countries where it's a dictatorship, literally, we just doing whatever the dictators say. So <laughs> it don't matter. Our ideas are not that important. <laughs> Here, that's not the case. Your ideas are very important. But just like last week, my happiness is submitted under the lordship of Christ, so are my ideas. And the lordship of Christ says, first, honor my sister and brother, and then your ideas matter. <laughs> Let's pray. Father God, you are the God of all things. And in your sovereign wisdom, You have said that it makes sense for humans to figure out how to steward the earth together. And all the diversity of how we think and feel, you have said that this is how we should do this in the earth. We submit to that wisdom. You've also said that we should honor one another as sisters and brothers. We submit to that. God, we do not know it all. And we're going to also be honest and real that there are consequences, some of them seen and some of them unseen, to the decisions that we make as a society and as a people. Consequences, some of which we won't even know how to come back from. Holy Spirit, you see it all. Give us your wisdom. Help us to see, God. Help us to understand. We want to be led by you, not just what we think, 
We want to be led by you, not just what we feel. We want to be led by you, not just by our pain. We want to be led by you, not just by what we think should happen next. Holy Spirit, guide us. Where this has been an idol in our lives, knock it down. Actually, you tell us that we have to do that. So we knock it down, God. Give us courage to not go back to it. When at a Thanksgiving conversation, a cousin ignites our frustration, give us grace to not go back to it, God. We want to be led by your spirit. We want the world to see you and our love for each other. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.